Yeah, and that's so that's funny because it's something I have been like doing the half-ass version of doing. But I think that if I do the the whole ass version of doing, that would help a lot. Yeah, we want the whole ass. We'll probably edit that out. I can't believe I just said that out loud. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to SOS, a live call-in help show with me, your host, Sonia Rasula, founder of Unique Markets. Each week, I answer some of the most pressing questions from entrepreneurs, small business owners, and creatives. We talk about social media. We talk about growing and scaling. We talk about marketing. The reason this podcast exists is because the fact is most businesses will not make it to five years. I've had multiple businesses for over a decade now, and I really want to make sure that you have long-term success. I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. So tune in weekly as I help business owners face their sh- Hi, this is Mo. Today's guest is Mo Watkins, founder of Mokola, an ecocentric, woman-owned jewelry company based in LA. For the past three years, Mo has been creating jewelry inspired by her mother's gutsy fashion sense. But as you'll hear, Mo needs help. In this episode, we'll be talking about branding, finding the right balance between authenticity and cheesiness, and finding the confidence to keep going, which is something, honestly, I think that we all struggle with. And remember to stay tuned to the end of the episode where we bring you my top takeaways designed to give you the tools to be more successful. Let's dive into our call with Mo. So I started my company essentially because I started making jewelry. Um, I started repurposing vintage jewelry and I just, after a while, had so much of it. I decided that I might as well have a company and my my jewelry is very whimsical, kind of avant-garde. Yeah. I mean, so I know your pieces. I think they're really, really interesting and cool. They are, as you say, very whimsical. I think they're, and avant-garde, two very good descriptions that you used. I'm curious if you can describe like a little bit more because it's one thing to say like they're whimsical and you and I understand. So yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess um, my, I think my most interesting piece in the bestseller is a giant life-size cicada ring. So it's all sterling silver. It looks just like a cicada if, uh, if anyone's familiar with them. And so it's literally, it's a giant bug. Yeah. And, and my new line actually is going to incorporate gemstones and they're very, they're generally my stuff is pretty big, pretty chunky. Mm-hmm. And I think of it as being very fairy tale esque So it'll be like a giant heart opal surrounded by tourmaline. Yeah. And you've got some snake rings. So like one theme that I see that stands out is that it, it is kind of like animals and insects. And so what are the things that tie the brand together? Because when I currently, when I look at your current offerings and from what I can see is coming up, it's, it's definitely like kind of wacky and fun, but it, it is a little different. It's very different. Yeah. I'm in the midst of really trying to figure out like, what is my brand? What do I make? What do I do? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I do feel like it is all over the place and it could be just as a designer, I am all over the place. Yes. Okay. Something that you said just now really resonated with me. And I think you should hold on to it. You said it, 
you know, something a bit different. I think that is something that you may want to think about kind of tying into the website or the language that you use on social media. Okay. So for unique markets, we have certain phrases that we use a lot. We use shop local, we use quality over quantity. We officially have a tagline that we created last year. Um, And so we use it in many different ways and we interchange some of the words in and out. But essentially, we always say that we're not a mall, not a flea market, not a gallery, not a craft fair. And then the tagline is something different. And so, you know, when we did the exercise of trying to communicate what we do and who we are, the, you know, unique markets, <laughs> it's a very generic name. And the two words that are within that name are even more generic. <laughs> so we had, we've had to work really hard over the last couple of years now that there's more and more um, competition and just people doing what we do, which is great, but we don't have the word craft fair or we don't have festival in our name. And so we needed to make sure that the tagline that we used and the language that we were using over and over and over again was the same. And I think that's one thing that you can do. You can tie in language to help tone and help set the brand. Okay. Yeah. You know, so you use, you use the word whimsical a lot. And I think that is one word that definitely matches Um, But I really like that, you know, a bit different. I thought, I think that that, you know, it came straight from your mouth and I think it matches really well. Great. I do too, because it's not limiting either. Yeah. Because aesthetically, like the bug, (laughs) the bug and insect jewelry is going to be extremely different from the colorful kind of fun, large cocktail rings. They're, they're two, they're two very different aesthetics, but under the same brand of being different. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> another thing that's really interesting about your brand is that it's super colorful. So you love colors. I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. Which, and the only reason I mention that is because, I mean, you know, I, I have worked with over 10,000 small companies now and usually people that have jewelry that's kind of in the genre, your original genre of like the cicadas, for instance, you know, the butterflies, usually the aesthetic of the brand is dark. I've noticed that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's very like goth-like. And so it's Mm -hmm. interesting that yours is so colorful. And I think you should probably play that up even more so that that is a big, that's something that separates you from people doing similar work. Yes, because I, I Google my own pieces to see who's making similar or what they look like. And yes, I it's agreed. It's like goth or steampunk. Yeah, so that's one tip. And then I don't know what specific questions did you have? I don't know if you have any advice or how you did it of just really finding people that we can all like my dream is to just find people that we all support each other and, um, you know, can give each other advice or anything. But I don't know how to find them. so have you because I do think that there are a number of jewelry groups in Los Angeles have you looked on Facebook I have I have and you know that might just be I need to look better and more consistently because one thing I did find is I would find groups because I used to be part of a makers group Mm -hmm. and they were lovely but what I did realize is that we were all at such different points of like businesses that sometimes 
I got, I don't want to say bored, but it became a little redundant. Yeah, like totally. talking to people who are very, very, yeah, very, very beginning. I mean, I think that it brings up an interesting point and for probably so many listeners out there, if you're searching for something and you can't find it, then that's usually a sign that you need to create it. Mm. You need, you need to start it. You know, you're right. I, I do think that there are a number of jewelry groups. There are a number of maker groups within Los Angeles and they're in every city everywhere. And you can find them even through like Etsy groups, but you are talking about a very particular problem with, which I think a lot of people who participate in unique markets experience because they're already established businesses. It's, you know, it's not like they need help with the basics. They actually have sales and revenue. So there have been brands, you know, one, for instance, her brand is Honey My Heart. She is a jewelry designer and she has been doing unique markets forever. And she met another jewelry designer years ago who taught her a whole new technique that she then incorporated into her business and they share resources now and oh, wow. they, you know, they get advice from one another. And so I think that finding people exactly where you are is what you need to do. And, you know, so whether that's at unique markets or looking at all the vendors who did unique markets and reaching out to them, um, or going to other fairs or other just female owned businesses or, you know, not to just narrow it down to like female owned businesses, but like other small business owners that, you know, if you know any, I would start to just do a small group, like just, Hey, come over, let's do a potluck. Well, let's have a dinner at my house. Let's get to have together for a glass of wine and casually kind of create this little, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a group or a mafia or a club, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, but it's as simple as that. It really is. Cause the answer that you're looking for is like a magic pill and it just doesn't exist, you know? Cause like even I struggle mm -hmm. with this all the time and there are friends of mine, uh, you know, Justina Blakeney is a great, huge designer located in Los Angeles. And some, you know, I was just with a group of friends last week at a brunch and a number of them were saying, I just don't have a community of people that I can talk to. Oh, interesting. So you're not the only person. It doesn't matter what level you are at, what level of success, so-called success, everyone always needs help and is always looking for someone else that can help them. So the best thing in my opinion to do is to find people not above you, so people tend to want to like reach out to the superstars, right? find people laterally, like find people who are, who are at similar places and literally get them together for a potluck dinner. I think that's like the first step. Okay. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, honestly, like, you know, Janine from Honey My Heart, like there are lots of jewelry designers that, um, that if you look at the unique markets list that you could reach out to and probably just form a mini, a mini jewelry mafia. I will. I will. Cause that's also great because that way I know that they're essentially mostly LA based, which doesn't have to be, mm -hmm. but that is something nice that we could actually, you know, literally meet up. Right. And have no expectations. Cause the other thing is just invite a bunch of people, you know, like I say, something casual and when you do that, you'll see what happens. There may be some that you just don't connect with and who aren't interested and are like, no, I've got everything mm -hmm. handled mm -hmm. in life. <laughs> there may be others who are like, yeah, let's, 
let's do this. Let's once a quarter, every few months, let's get together. But then also you have each other, you know, throughout the year. So if someone suddenly needs a lawyer to work on a patent, or if someone has questions on like, I need a better accountant, like you'll be able to have people to ask those questions too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's just so many things that come up that, I mean, and in jewelry specifically, I know like my, finding manufacturer and things, it wasn't as simple as like just Googling and getting a list of manufacturers. Like I literally was like walking around downtown yeah. kind of knocking on doors being like, excuse me. Uh, and so I imagine, you know, I'm not alone in that. So yeah, that's kind absolutely. of a, a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, and then what, what were some of the other questions that you had? Did you, do you have a sense of when to kind of like do it myself or whether or not I should just, you know, get some, get a professional person to do it? You want to have the business that you currently have, which is selling X number of items and making X number of dollars every year and you're doing it yourself and that's fine. Or do you want to scale two, three, 10 times the size? And so that really those are the questions you have to ask yourself first, I think. Yeah. You know, do you want to be a bigger brand? And if so, then it seems like you're set for manufacturing already, right? Yeah. Yes. Generally. Yeah. So really then what you're talking about is probably publicity, marketing, sales. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the magic question. If I had a, you know, a perfect answer for you, I would, I would tell it, but it's so individual. Right. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice is if you are not skilled at, or you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> that's when you need to ask for help. And there are so many ways to get help nowadays. So you know, my producer, we, when we did all of the different cities, you know, we don't live in Boston, for instance. So, you know, we utilize Craigslist to find great talent and great people. We, we utilized Upwork. Oh, I'm going to write that down. Okay. It, yeah. You know, it's basically freelancers doing all different types of things. So we, you know, when we need help, like we're a small team, we're a very small team. I think most people would be shocked to know how many people we have. And so when we need help and we need people to literally just be like submitting our event to all of the event websites that are out there, which are, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of event websites for each city. Um, you know, that's not something I'm doing as the CEO. That's not something that my event producers are doing as event producers. We're hiring freelance people and paying them X amount of dollars to just knock through it in two days. Gotcha. That is an interesting thing too. And I actually didn't think of is that, um, I don't have to hire someone, you know, for, uh, for longevity or for a long time. It could be like specific tasks, see how it works out and then see if it makes sense to continue to hire someone for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are your sales like? Yeah. So that's the thing is I am, (laughs) I am pretty much about 10 grand a year. Um, and that is, it, it's sort of funny how the numbers okay, go. Okay, so you don't have, you don't have a sales plan. Right. Okay, so you are one of the lucky people, very few people have this experience where you started a business and you don't actually have a sales plan in place. You have just been going. You've been moving yeah. forward, <laughs> which is great. Um, congratulations. <laughs> But in order to scale and pay yourself and get help, um, you are going to need to come up with a sales plan. 
Okay. <laughs> and it's right. really easy, you know, like, and I never created a business plan for unique markets. So I, you know, I'm not saying create a business plan, which is long and cumbersome and, you know, uh, it wasn't for me. It wasn't the path that I took, but a sales plan, you are in sales. You're a designer, you create beautiful, whimsical, fun jewelry, but at the end of the day, you're in sales. Mm-hmm. Like all, all small businesses and designers and brands, like you have to recognize that you're actually in sales. And so in order to be more successful and get more revenue and then be able to hire people, whether they're freelance or contract, and then eventually full-time, which is kind of the goal because then you're really giving back to the community, um, you know, by being able to hire community members and grow your company. And that's when things start to feel like really, really great in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, you're going to need to scale. And so you should probably take some time. So do you do trade shows? Um, I have not. No. I've been looking so, into them, but yeah. So how do you, so how, so this, the $10,000 that you make, yeah. this is literally just probably web sales and maybe doing a few shows. What, what, how do you make that money? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, and then something that off and on works well, but is, it is, I cannot explain it is people will sometimes buy, just buy jewelry off of me like that I'm wearing out and about. Um, it happened a lot more like when I go to New York, but it is actually strangely significant how that happened. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait. So you're telling me you're yeah. like walking down the street in New York City and someone like stops you to talk about your necklace and then like buys it from you? Yes. That's actually part of the reason why I started the business as well as I started noticing that people would do that. Um. Okay. <laughs> That's, so that that's is actually, something. that is a good piece of information because right. it tells mm-hmm. me, right. It tells me that there, there is a demand and literally just walking down the street, there's a demand, which is really interesting. So there's a demand and there's a very specific market because I think the genre of what you do, it really is unique. The designs are unique. And so, wow. Okay. So you're already making 10,000 doing nothing. Um, which means, yeah, you need to sit down and, and create a sales plan. And so it's going to take a little bit of investment of both your time and your energy, but also your money, because, um, my suggestion would be that you try a trade show. Um, some of the most successful small businesses and companies that I know, the difference between them and the hundreds of other people that take part at unique markets, the difference is that they at some point realize that direct-to-consumer is great because you're making more money off every sale. But in order to truly scale a company, you probably are going to have to go wholesale so that you're getting bigger orders. You're, you're able to sell quantity. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. And the only way that you're going to do that, and, and it's, all, it's all full circle because, so you're going to make less money when you sell to, let's say, a Nordstrom. You're making a lot less, but you're selling more pieces. And in my mind, the most important thing to that is that you are selling pieces that then go to customers that then become fans of your brand. They're not going to find you online naturally unless you're doing a lot of marketing and advertising. And they're not going to find you potentially if you're only doing shows in Los Angeles, no one in Texas or New York or San Francisco or Miami or anywhere is going to know about you. 
So trade shows to me are like the key to taking your business to the next level, even though in they're pretty old fashioned, in my opinion, it's where you can interact potentially with thousands of buyers. And so I would say that that might be something that you want to investigate. It's not something that's cheap, um, but there are, you know, the big ones happen in Las Vegas and there are a lot of smaller trade shows like, um, I think project, I, I can't remember all of them offhand right now, but you should investigate them. A lot of them are going through growth themselves and trying to modernize. And so a lot of the trade shows will have like cash and carry sections or they'll have, um, you know, like cheaper offsite spaces that are a lot smaller for just starting out independently owned brands like you. And that's where, that's where a lot of, a lot of companies that have come through unique markets, they'll go do a trade show or two just to get that exposure. Um, you know, like Japanese buyers, like your jewelry, like it's very whimsical and kind of kooky and out there. And to me, like Japanese buyers and consumers would probably love your line, but they don't know about you. I've thought of that too, because I was trying to think of like where it seems like Germany and Japan are two markets that, that when I, the little, very, very minimal exposure I do have. Yep. Yes. So yeah, that's a great thing yeah. to know. So I yeah. investigate trade shows. And then as part of a sales plan, I would probably also very specifically start to send like wholesale kits out to stores, not just in America. People always forget that there's a whole world out there. Got it. And if you already know that first, you know, for some reason, everyone in Berlin and Tokyo loves my jewelry. You should be using the internet, which is an amazing tool to find all of the cool stores and boutiques in those countries and approach them. And it, all it takes is an email. Like it's so simple. It's so simple these days. Like, honestly, for people who had small businesses like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, life was so much harder. This is so easy. You can, you can find what the cool department stores are in Germany and like instantly find the contact information and then send your wholesale kits out to them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever done, have you ever, do you have a wholesale kit? Have you ever? I don't. So that is my next step. I do have a, um, it will just like a, a photo shoot schedule for next month so I can get all my line sheets in order okay. and get my new pieces and stuff. Yeah. Perfect. Get, get line sheets together, get photography, do, you know, potentially have an electronic kit or do a page on your website that is password protected. That is just for oh, buyers. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can do that, but you can also, you know, if you, if you want to take the investment of sending people packages, that's always good too. Okay. And then the other thing that we haven't discussed that should also be part of your sales strategy. So, so far we've talked about trade shows. We've talked about contacting stores directly and contacting buyers directly. But the third thing is you should be utilizing Instagram and Facebook more and doing advertising. Yeah. 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 So have you advertised? before? No, I haven't. No. Okay. I've never felt like I've, I'm, I'm ready. Well, like I, like my Instagram is, it's a little, it looks handmade. How is that? Um, <laughs> uh, that's definitely something that has been keeping me, uh, yeah, back. Um, I've seen a lot of Instagrams and yours is, is not that bad. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I'm being, you know, I'm being very honest there. Um, I think that you can, so I, I say this a lot to people, but what are the brands and who are the people that you admire and that you kind of aspire to be, or that you think that your brand matches, Mm -hmm. you know, and I would look Mm -hmm. at what they're doing, like big professional companies, you know, I think that that's a really smart use of your time. That's what I do. I stalk stalk people and it's not that I stalk them in a creepy way. It's that, (laughs) it's that, you know, in order to stay relevant, you have to see what other people are doing and you have to take things away from what they're doing. You have to learn. So, you know, you're visual, you're an artist, you get it. You think visually, you think in colors. So for you to go to another great jewelry brand, or it doesn't even have to be jewelry. It can be someone who's doing shoes that you love, but that you, you know, start to look and you're looking at brands, by the way, who have lots of followers. So right, it's not right. another brand that has like a thousand or 2000 followers. You want to go after the big boys. And it's like, you know, they're paying someone a lot of money to do their social, but it's free for you to look and take things away. So look at how they're posting. Look at the way that they're using language and tone in what they say. Look at if they're using slideshows, are they using video? Are they doing IGTV? Really start to like take it in, not just as a consumer, but as a student. And honestly, that exercise alone will give you a lot to then work with. And then, you know, not replicate, but it will just educate you on what you could be doing on your social media and the type of photography that you need and how many times you should be posting, what what consumers seem to, um, connect with. And as you start to build your, your kind of brand identity on social a little bit more, um, I think that will help your followers too, because, um, when you're all over the place, it's hard to create like a loyal following. Yes. Yes. Got it. Agreed. Yeah. And that's so, that's funny. Cause it's something I have been like doing the half-ass version of doing, but I think that if I do the, the whole ass version of doing, that will help a lot. Yeah, we're, we want the whole ass. We're, we'll probably edit that out. I can't believe I just said that out loud. Actually, this could be like the best part of the whole podcast. The whole season, that's it right there. Um, yeah, no, you've got to put everything into it. And that's one of those things where, you know, when you ask about like, when is it time to need help? Um, it's not, rel- it's not, thinking that there's some kid out there, there's a millennial out there who's going to do my Instagram and it's going to blow up. That's not it. I, but I'm telling you right now that if you come up with what your brand is a little bit more, folk hone in on it. Mm-hmm. And so that means like doing a branding exercise, like create the tagline, create the language. What are the colors? What are the, the three main colors that you always use? And what are the five that are like your sub colors? If you haven't done that as a brand exercise yet, you should do that because that's the only way you're going to know who you are, who you truly are and how to communicate who you are to other people. So you need to do that and then think about online. And so that's your website and social media. And once you have a playbook, so like every week on social, I want to post five photos of products and then I want to post inspirational photos. And then I want to do one photo a week that's behind the scenes that shows the studio or 
the factory where things get made. Like you literally actually need to give yourself a playbook like that. Okay. And once you have that, then you can find someone to help you execute. So you're not, you know, you're not finding someone and being like, can you just help with my social media? You know, no one, you have to have expectations. So if you create a playbook for someone, then you can easily find someone on Upwork or on Craigslist or through your community that you're going to (laughs) create at night doing dinner parties. Um, But you're going to be able to find someone out there who you're going to pay X amount of dollars to do like, you know, seven to 10 posts a week or whatever it is. But it's, it doesn't need to be expensive because you've already done the groundwork of like what they need to be posting and you're just having them like go out and do it and execute. Got it. Yeah. Oh, that's helpful. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Well, yeah. We only have a, a minute or two left. So is there anything else that you're just dying to ask me? Ah, gosh, not that I can think of. That was, I mean, that, that was great. Ah, ha, ha. i love it oh my gosh okay well thanks so much for talking with us thank you thank you yeah no problem it was so nice talking with you well that's it for today's episode thank you for tuning in to sos today's top takeaways are number one define your brand if you haven't done a branding exercise where you've thought about who you are who are your target demographics and what it is that you do, you should probably get on that. Number two, make a sales plan, people. If you sell anything and have never sat down to take the time to figure out how to sell more things, well, you should probably do that. And number three, it's a big, wide world out there. Don't forget about all the people in all the countries around the world who are dying to buy your product. They just don't know that it's out there. And the amazing thing is that there are lots of services these days that can translate your website into other languages. So don't make this hard on yourself. Get out there and sell to the whole wide world. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram at SOS with Sonia. That's SOS with S-O-N-J-A because my parents are weirdos and spelled my name with a J. That was an awesome episode. Before you go, we've got a special deal from our sponsor, Constant Contact, who I just want to throw out there is the most amazing company. If you don't send emails and aren't capturing your customer's information so that you can stay in touch with them, you are losing out on so many sales. So please listen to this message from Constant Contact and I hope that you sign up. Calling all small business owners, nonprofit pioneers, and savvy side hustlers. If you're looking for guidance in the noisy world of online marketing, Constant Contact has your back. Their team has the expert guidance, tools, and technology you need to successfully build and market your business. So whether you want to step up your email marketing game with customizable email templates or grow your e-commerce using their Shopify integration, Constant Contact has everything you need to achieve online marketing greatness. To get 30% off your first three months, visit constantcontact.com slash unique and enter the promo code unique at checkout. 
That's constantcontact.com slash unique and enter the code, all caps, U-N-I-Q-U-E.